Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for a Monday, August 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour. Traders begin a new month with a slew of earnings in focus. One Fed president said there's a long way to go to hit 2% inflation. Concern in China grows amid worse than expected economic data. And Senator Joe Manchin makes his pitch in favor of the climate tax bill. Speeding cameras in New York City begin operating 24-7 starting today. Plus, the death toll rises from last week's flooding in Kentucky. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Six straight win for the Mets. The Yankees lost to the ninth inning and widespread reaction to the passing of NBA legend Bill Russell. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 15 points. Dow futures down 79. And NASDAQ futures down 51. 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. Yield 2.66%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.91%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.2% on $2.17 at $96.45 a barrel. Nathan. Well, as you mentioned, Karen, futures are on the decline this morning as we kick off a new month looking ahead to Friday's jobs report. And the debate continues on the health of the U.S. economy. Regent Atlantic Capital Chief Investment Officer Andy Capern says the environment is uncertain, but he is still sticking with value. You should continue to stick with what has worked for you so far this year, and that is precisely sticking with value, which is heavy on energy, heavy on materials and industrials. The underlying prices of those commodities, they are fundamentally undersupplied. Andy Capron with Region Atlantic Capital says focusing on value and quality can still generate returns in a volatile market. Well, over the weekend, Nathan, we got more comments on Fed policy. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari said he's not worried about whether the U.S. is in a technical recession. He said the central bank is focused squarely on inflation. We're going to do everything we can to try to avoid a recession, but we are committed to bringing inflation down, and we are going to do what we need to do. And we are a long way away from achieving an economy that is back at 2% inflation, and that's where we need to get to. Neil Kashkari said he does not see evidence of a U.S. wage price spiral. He made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, stocks are coming off a banner month, Karen, but that trend may not continue. That's according to two high-profile analysts. Let's get more in this live report from Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. Good morning, Nathan. Earnings results are holding up better than feared. Of the 56% of the S&P 500 companies that have reported, more than half have beaten estimates. Still, Goldman Sachs strategist David 
Costin says the rate of earnings beats is trailing the average pace set in the last five quarters. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says the rebound of stocks likely to be short-lived as estimates are cut further and the economy heads into contraction. And a note this morning, Wilson also says the bond market is assuming the Fed will get inflation under control, which is good for fixed income, but not stocks. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, another big week on Wall Street with economic data and earnings set to be the main drivers again. And we get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. While investors keep an eye on the economic data, including a jobs report, they're also focused on what corporations are saying about the second half. Solita Marcelli is chief investment officer for the Americas at UBS Global Wealth Management. This earnings season, we heard a lot of talk of recession, but we haven't seen any indication in the results. Lots of earnings this week across a broad swath of industries, among some of the names AMD, Airbnb, Caterpillar, Lyft, Uber, Marriott, Occidental Petroleum, Starbucks, and Yum Brands. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thank you. U.S. shale drillers are expected to post record profits this week, and after a decade of steep losses, looks like shale is finally blossoming. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with that. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Estimates compiled by Bloomberg show the top 28 publicly traded U.S. independent oil producers generated $25.5 billion in free cash flow in the second quarter. That's about a quarter of what they lost over the past decade. Fracking revolutionized global energy markets by enabling American drillers to harvest shale resources that had previously been untouchable. In just over 10 years, the U.S. went from a declining crude producer to the world's dominant oil and gas source, but at an astronomical cost. The 28 companies lost about $115 billion in the decade leading up to the COVID-19 pandemic. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, turning overseas now, HSBC shares are up 5.8% in London after the bank turned in a strong earnings report. It beat profit estimates, vowed to restore quarterly dividends, and fended off a call to split up. HSBC CFO Ewan Stevenson spoke to Bloomberg from Hong Kong. Rising rates is certainly beneficial to us. Uh, interest income was up 20% Q2 on Q2. Revenues were up 12% overall. We also kept costs flat, so we had an enormous amount of operating leverage. We also had a one-off tax benefit, too, so we're very pleased with these results. Chief Financial Officer Ewan Stevenson says HSBC is paying close attention to its China real estate exposure. Well, let's head to Europe now, Karen, where the economic focus this week is on the Bank of England. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe host Stephen Carroll joins us live from London with details. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The Bank of England was the first of the major central banks to hike rates after the pandemic, but now it's playing catch-up. Governor Andrew Bailey has promised to act forcefully to tackle inflation that's running at a 40-year high in the UK. Markets now see a 70% chance of a 50 basis point hike on Thursday. That would be the largest by the bank in 27 years. This as it's warning that inflation could hit 11% this year. Live in London, I'm Stephen Carroll, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Stephen, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., we're focused on politics after doing a 180 on supporting a climate tax bill last week. Senator Joe Manchin is now out pitching the measure. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. Senator Manchin says it all just makes sense. We've taken $3.5 trillion of spending down to $400 billion of investing without raising any taxes whatsoever. And he says he doesn't know now what all the drama is about. I didn't know if we could get a deal. I did not know if we could come to an agreement. So why would I put people through this all 
all this drama. And he's also making a public pitch to get Senator Kirsten Sinema on board. The vote expected this week in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street, 69 degrees in Central Park. Got slippery roads this morning. Already an accident on the Connecticut Turnpike southbound near exit 18. We'll get you the details in traffic shortly. But first, Michael Barr with another reason why you might want to take it easy on the roads this morning. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Smile, your own traffic camera. Starting today, about 2,000 speed cameras begin running 24 hours a day, every day across New York City. If you're caught speeding by the camera, you'll get a $50 fine in the mail. However, experts say it usually will not result with points on your license. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear says housing, water, and cell phone service are among the priorities the state is focused on, bringing back to people who have lost everything in last week's deadly flooding in eastern Kentucky. Our confirmed count of Kentuckians we've lost has now reached 28, and we expect that there will be more. And that that number will grow. Governor Bashir says about 100 travel trailers are coming in to help people displaced by the disaster in Perry, Lecter, and Knott counties. There are stepped-up efforts to slow the spread of the monkeypox virus in the U.S. despite rising case numbers and limited vaccine supplies. The first known deaths from the global outbreak have been reported in Europe and Brazil over the weekend. There are now more than 5,000 confirmed cases of monkeypox across the U.S. Officials say cases are concentrated among men who have sex with other men. But because monkeypox is spread by skin-to-skin contact, Dr. Alok Patel says anyone could catch it. Individuals who are in an at-risk community or who have come in contact with others who have symptoms of monkeypox are encouraged to go get a vaccine. But right now, we are seeing long lines in order to get the vaccine. Dr. Patel spoke to ABC. It comes as the New York City Health Department declared monkeypox a public health emergency over the weekend. Earlier, New York Governor Kathy Hochul declared a disaster emergency in the state. We've lost some greats. NBA fans are remembering Celtics legend Bill Russell, who died at 88. More in sports shortly. Star Trek actress Nichelle Nichols, who broke ground for blacks playing Lieutenant Uhura, has died at age 89. And Pat Carroll, the voice of Ursula in the Disney classic, The Little Mermaid, has died at age 95. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Yeah, greats just scratches the surface mm. on all three of them. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. All right, good morning, Nathan. As we just heard, of course, NBA legend Bill Russell dying yesterday at his home at the age of 88. And you can argue where Russell ranks among the greatest players in NBA history. He's certainly in the conversation. From a defensive standpoint, he may well have been the best as a rebounder. He averaged 23 rebounds a game. He once had 51. And what is not up for debate is who was the greatest winner in league history. Russell won 11 championships in 13 years with the Celtics. Eight in a row. In the last two, he not only played, he was the head coach. He played in ten game sevens. He won all ten during his career and after. Russell, often a voice against racial and social injustice. Billy Jean King called him a once-in-a-generation activist athlete. Barack Obama's statement yesterday read, As tall as Russell stood, his legacy as a player in person rises higher. 
At Stadium, Yankees trailed the Royals 4-0, then led 6-4 after a D.J. LeMayu two-run homer and Anthony Rizzo three-run shot, but with two outs in the ninth, a three-run homer by Kansas City's Salvador Perez off Clay Holmes, who had not given up a homer all year. The Royals beat the Yankees 8-6. In Miami, season-high 19 hits for the Mets, three each for Jeff McNeil, Mark Canna, Francisco Lindor, a 9-3 route, so after a two-game sweep for the Yankees, a three-game sweep for the Marlins, Mets manager is Buck Showalter. How hard it is to win three games in a row on the road in the same ballpark in the major league. It's, it's impressive that our guys came out with that the type of intensity you need to face in a Lopez. Uh, you know, it's, you, know, you face some good pitching here. And speaking of good pitching, Mets are in Washington. Max Scherzer tonight against his old team. And then tomorrow, the season debut of Jacob DeGrom. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thanks. S&P futures down 13 points. Dow futures down 64. NASDAQ futures down 44 points ahead of the start of a new trading month. We bring in Dennis Gartman, the former publisher of the Gartman Letter, next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Mostly cloudy today with highs near 80 degrees. We'll bring back the chance of showers and storms tomorrow with a high near 90. Sunny and hot, 90 for Wednesday. Right now, 69 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And European stocks are ticking higher as corporate earnings continue to deliver upside surprises while investors assess remarks from central bankers that higher interest rates are needed to bring inflation under control. Futures are lower. Last week was the best for the U.S. stock market in more than two years. It is the first trading day of the month. Last month, the S&P 500 gained about 9.2%. Growth stocks beating value stocks there. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures. Down about 12 points. Dow futures down 56. NASDAQ futures down 39. The DAX in Germany is up a third of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. Yield 2.66%. The yield on the two-year, 2.91%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2%, down $2.01 at $96.61 a barrel. COMEX gold, little change at 17.8180 an ounce. The euro, 1.0254 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2238. And the yen, 132. 2.39 and looking at Bitcoin, it's down 2%. It's at $23,320. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The first ship carrying Ukrainian grain has set off from the port of Odessa. The part departure of the ship laden with corn follows an internationally brokered deal to ease a growing hunger crisis. Rick Stenson took home $4 million for winning the controversial Live Golf's Bedminster Invitational. The Saudi Arabian-funded league has drawn criticism. Tickets at former President Trump's Bedminster course were being sold for as little as a dollar among like crowds. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Royals 8-6. The Mets won their sixth straight, beating the Marlins. The Red Sox down the Brewers. The Cardinals shut out the Nationals. 
The Reds beat the Orioles. The White Sox beat the A's. The Giants down the Cubs. Bill Russell, who was the cornerstone of the Boston Celtics basketball dynasty in the 50s and 60s, has died. He was 88. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thank you. It's almost 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and as we kick off this new trading month, we are very pleased to be joined this morning by Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee, of course, former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Always great to speak with you, Dennis, and as we heard from Karen Moscow just a moment ago, we are coming off the best month for U.S. stocks in about a year and a half here. Where do you see the momentum for risk assets as we head into August? Well, Nathan, I've been bearish since January 5th of this year, and as the chairman of the University of Akron's endowment, I got the endowment to move about 12% of our portfolio out of stocks, and thus far I've been uh, fortunately correct. But I have to admit, something seems to be changing psychologically in the market. Uh, I had been paying attention to the fact that late last year and through most of this year that the rallies had occurred on on declining volume and the the breaks had come in on, on increasing volume, and as a technician, first of all, Technicals always tend to leave the fundamentals in, in stock markets. They tend to leave the psychology in the stock market. And the fact that markets were going down on big volume and rising on lesser volume was bearish. But in the course of the past month and a half or so, we've actually begun to see that shift. So I've changed my my perspective from being overtly bearish to being at least neutral in the stock market. I, I must admit I was rather surprised by a 9% gain in, in, in growth stocks last month. And I was a little surprised to see growth stocks uh, advanced demonstrably stronger than the value stocks. So I have to admit that I'm, I'm changing my, my, my terminology and my investment philosophy from being overtly bearish to being at least neutral. We're a little overbought in the short term. We may have a little bit of a correction, but today is the first day of the month, and we're probably going to see, see the stock market trade higher today just because the first and second days of the month always see inflows of capital into retirement accounts. So well, well, we're a little overbought tech- in the short term. Go ahead. What are the technicals you're looking at that have made you change your view, Dennis? The fact that we're going up now, at least in the past month and a month or so, we're going up on better volume and going down on lesser volume, which is a change in attitude, a change in, in philosophy, a change in style, a change in demeanor. So that's the first thing. I watch volume more than anything else, and the volume seems to be coming in on the upside. That's a good sign. In terms of Fed policy, do you think that momentum can continue if we have if we see a, a tighter Fed? We did hear from a number of uh, uh, Fed policymakers saying that they've got a long ways to go before they can reach that two percent inflation target, and that could potentially mean yet more rate hikes. There's no question there'll be more rate hikes. At least 75 basis points in September, and maybe 50 basis points in the November meeting. No question, they have to they have to follow through on what they said they were going to do in order to, to regain credibility, which they'd lost with the idea of transitory inflation that was incumbent in their, in their commentaries for the course of the past year or so. So there's no question rates are going to go higher. But markets, tend, markets have gone up on higher rates in the past, and, and the rates have tended to be a, a, a lagging indicator. So the fact that the Fed is going to continue to tighten and take $95 billion per month out of its, uh, base, out of its assets, uh, its balance sheet, tells you that the fuel that, that had supplied the stock market is being taken away, but uh, that's already understood and, and has been well stated by the Fed. So rates are going to go higher, no question. Uh, it's just a matter of time. 75 basis points in September and another 50 basis points in November. We'll see what happens after that. 
What's your outlook on earnings in our last minute here? Can uh, companies continue to uh, power through the headwinds that uh, that have been out there? The manufacturing industries can. Banks will have a hard time. The inverted yield curve, and the yield curve is now inverted and probably going to get more inverted before the end of the year. Bank earnings may be under pressure, but manufacturing earnings can probably continue to do quite well, to be quite honest. Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now the chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee with us this morning as we uh, get ready to kick off this new trading month of August, shifting his perspective, going neutral on stocks now. Dennis, uh, as always, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Looking ahead to the market open this morning, we have uh, futures moving a touch lower. S&P futures right now down 11 points. Dow futures down 52. NASDAQ futures are lower by 36 points. Germany's DAX, the CAC in Paris, both higher by three-tenths of one percent. Ten-year Treasury right now down 530 seconds. The yield 2.66% on the 10-year note and the yield on the two-year right now. Uh, 2.91%. NYMEX crude moving lower by 1.9% down to $1.91, $96.71 a barrel. COMEX gold little changed up 10 cents at 1781.90 an ounce. Uh, the euro right now 1.0255 against the dollar British pound 1.2239. The yen is at 132.33 and Bitcoin down 1.9% on the session at uh, $23,300. Just ahead, more on recession risk in this market and is boom time back in the shale patch? Got your top stories of the morning just ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, morning showers and turning mostly cloudy today with a high near 80 degrees. We'll be near 90 tomorrow with the chance for an afternoon shower, thunder shower. Sunny and hot Wednesday, high near 90, right now 69 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are lower this morning as we kick off a new month. Looking ahead to Friday's jobs report, debate continues on the health of the U.S. economy. Region Atlantic Capital Chief Investment Officer Andy Capern says there are still returns to be had. Focusing on companies that are good at generating free cash flow and have the financial discipline to be able to deliver on it. The segment of the market that stands out the best here is dividend payers. And Andy Capern with Regent Atlantic Capital says he's not only sticking with quality stocks, but also value. Well, over the weekend, Karen, we got more comments on Fed policy. Minneapolis President Neil Kashkari said he's not worried about whether the U.S. is in a technical recession. We are committed to bringing inflation down, and we are going to do what we need to do. And we are a long way away from achieving an economy that is back at 2% inflation. Neil Kashkari was a guest on CBS's Face the Nation, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, Nathan, two notable equity strategists say recession fears may cap further gains in stocks. More in this live report from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, in a note to clients this morning, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson warns the U.S. economy could be headed for a recession. He says risk-reward is poor after the recent rally, as strategists at Goldman Sachs 
Say the rate of earnings beats is trailing the 62% average pace that was set in the last five quarters. They suggest that stocks are not out of the woods yet after posting their strongest month since November of 2020. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Turning to big oil now after a decade of steep losses, it looks like shale is blossoming again. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with that. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Several shale companies are set to report earnings this week. Estimates compiled by Bloomberg show the top 28 publicly traded U.S. independent oil producers generated $25.5 billion in free cash flow in the second quarter. Compare that to the last 10 to 15 years when the companies lost about $115 billion leading up to the COVID-19 pandemic. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And a brief earnings note, HSBC shares are up 5.7% in London after the bank turned in a strong earnings report. HSBC beat profit estimates, vowed to restore quarterly dividends, and fended off a call to split up. And futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down 10 points. Dow futures down 42. NASDAQ futures down 35. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. Got some rain and 69 degrees in Central Park. We're still dealing with that crash. Southbound Connecticut Turnpike near exit 18. Michael Barr's here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Drivers, slow your roll in New York City. About 2,000 speed cameras are now operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week across the city. Anyone rung up speeding by the camera can expect a $50 ticket in the mail. Until now, the cameras were only running between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. However, experts say more than half of traffic deaths happen overnight. Rescue crews continue to dig through piles of debris from deadly flooding last week in Kentucky. At least 28 people are dead. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear warns they expect to find more bodies in the weeks ahead. Every day, every week, every month, and every year it takes to rebuild. We are committed to the people of eastern Kentucky. Governor Bashir says search dogs are being used. No public events on President Biden's schedule today. He remains in isolation following his rebound with COVID-19 after treatment with an antiviral drug. Medical experts say Paxlovid is still preventing severe disease and deaths even when there's a rebound case. In Washington today, a judge can hand down the longest prison term so far in the January 6th Capitol riot case. Prosecutors said Guy Reffitt of Texas carried a gun on his waist while confronting police at the Capitol. His own son testified against him. Prosecutors are seeking 15 years in prison. The very lucky winner of Friday's Mega Millions drawing has yet to claim the $1.34 billion prize the third largest jackpot in U.S. history. The winning ticket sold at a Speedway gas station in Illinois near Chicago. Once the winner does come forward, financial expert Carter Cofield recommends saving some of the cash for tax payments. On average, 70% of people that win the lottery are broke within the three to five years. 70% of people are broke within three to five years. And 50% of those people say that their life is actually worse after winning the lottery Financial expert Carter Cofield. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Bill Russell, of course, NBA legend, Boston sports icon. He passed away yesterday at the age of 88. Russell arrived in Boston in 1956, immediately began leading the Celtics to NBA championships. By the time he was finished, he had more championship rings than fingers to wear them on. 11 and all. This came after two NCAA championships, the University of San Francisco, where he once won 55 games in a row. Also, two California high school state titles and an Olympic gold medal. Inarguably, the greatest winner in team sports history. But as NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said yesterday, Russell stood for something more than sports. He was a tireless activist against racial and social injustice. At the stadium, Yankees trailed the Royals 4-0, then led 6-4. DJ LeMayo, a two-run homer. Anthony Rizzo, three-run shot as 25th. Kansas City got a run in the eighth inning off Rob Marinaccio, who had been unhittable against. And then, with one out in the ninth. The one-two. A swing and a drive to center field. And that ball is going to be carrying. And it is out of here. Home run, Salvador Perez. He puts the Royals in the lead in the top of the ninth. How about that? KCSP at the call. Three-run shot, the homer, the first that Clay Holmes had allowed. KC won 8-6. The Yanks had been 6-0 against the Royals. They host Seattle tonight. Mets are in Washington. It's Max Scherzer tonight. Jacob DeGrom tomorrow. Mets have won six in a row. They beat the Marlins 9-3 with a 19-hit attack. They remain three games ahead of Atlanta. On the PGA Tour, second straight win for Tony Finau in Detroit. He shot 26 under par in New Jersey. The Live Tour winner, Henrik Stinson. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The nation's highest rents aren't in New York, according to a report from Rent.com. It says Jersey City actually has the highest rent in the U.S., with the average monthly rent skyrocketing from 3300 bucks in 2021 to an eye-watering $5,500 in 2022. Cell phone service is coming to New York's subway tunnels. The project comes at no public cost, but will take 10 years to finish. The $600 million project will be paid for and built by Transit Wireless, which already provides access to cell phone and Wi-Fi service in all of the city's 281 underground subway stations. GE Appliances has opened a micro-factory in Connecticut. The manufacturing plant will anchor a facility known as Co-Create Stamford which company officials also see as a hub for collaboration with colleges and universities. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about Heineken saying rising prices haven't hurt beer sales yet. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Firms shelve over $250 billion in financing plans this year. I'm Joan Doniger telling KMOX listeners in St. Louis about a double dose of good news for Boeing. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on England's victory in the women's Euros football and what it means for the future of the sport. I'm Ed Curry on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting a real estate broker has purchased the landmark Alcazar Apartments in Cleveland Heights. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street.
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Russian President Vladimir Putin is weaponizing energy exports to undermine Europe's support for Ukraine. But while the European Union faces the prospect of a long winter without Russian gas, its emergency proposals are nowhere near adequate. For a start, the EU should call a heads-of-state summit to negotiate a new near-term strategy. Governments will need to help vulnerable households make it through the winter, think creatively about how best to manage demand, and effectively communicate the stakes to the public. Importantly, the EU must also intensify its efforts to permanently free itself of Russian energy. Its 2030 goal is too far away. In all likelihood, the coming winter will severely test European resolve. Only adequate preparation can forestall the worst. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. And we'll bring in Bloomberg's William Wilkes on the Bloomberg Big Take story this morning on Germany scrambling to deal with that gas shutoff. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, morning showers, a giveaway to mostly cloudy skies and a high near 80 today. We'll be back near 90 tomorrow, though, with another chance for afternoon showers and thunder showers. Sunny and hot for Wednesday, right now, 69 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and European stocks are are ticking higher this morning. U.S. stock index futures are lower. They are coming off uh, the best week for the U.S. stock market in more than two years. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about nine points right now. Dow futures down 28. NASDAQ futures down 28 as well. The DAX in Germany is up a third of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. Yield 2.66 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.90 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.7 percent at $1.70 at $96.91 a barrel. COMEX gold up three tenths percent or $5.40 at $17.87 10 an ounce. The euro 1.0266 against the dollar. British pound 1.2254. The yen at 131.94. And Bitcoin is down 1.9 percent at $23,350. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Darren, thank you very much. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is in Singapore kicking off her Asian tour as questions swirled over a possible stop in Taiwan that has fueled tension with Beijing. A foreign ministry spokesperson said Pelosi will call on Singapore's president and prime minister. Bill Russell, who was the cornerstone of the Boston Celtics basketball dynasty in the 1950s and 60s, has died. He was 88. Henrik Stenson won the controversial Saudi-backed Live Golf's Bedminster Invitational at former President Trump's golf course. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Royals 8-6. The Mets won their sixth straight, beating the Marlins 9-3. The Red Sox down the Brewers. The Cardinals shut out the Nationals 5-zip. The Red Sox beat the Orioles. The White Sox beat the A's. And the Giants down the Cubs. 
Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. This is The Big Take, the best of Bloomberg's in-depth original reporting from around the globe. This is a really fast-moving story. It's caused a lot of outrage among investors. This is so fascinating. The market shut down in a way it's never done before. That's going to have consequences for years to come. The Big Take on Bloomberg Radio. It is 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and our big take this morning is on the scramble underway in Europe to avert a heating crisis as the war in Ukraine grinds on, and it may hit hardest of all in Europe's economic engine, Germany. For more, we're joined by Bloomberg Global Business Reporter William Wilkes. William, good morning, and I guess this is because Germany has more exposure to the natural gas that Russia's already begun cutting off to Europe. Is that right? Uh, good morning, Nathan. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of mainly the reason. It's, Germany isn't the most exposed uh, country, but Germany does have a lot of kind of gas-intensive um, material industries like chemicals, steel, aluminium, <coughs> copper, and, and similar, and that's why Germany is particularly exposed. So what is being done at this point to try to alleviate the crisis that is likely coming now that the flows have already begun to slow? Um, Firstly, the the first line of defense is cutting energy usage wherever they can, which is what uh, our big take contains lots of details about kind of uh, municipal governments uh, cutting back on things like swimming pools and lighting of buildings at night and kind of turning the thermostat and, and the heat down on those buildings. Uh, companies are also doing a similar thing. They're just, you know, trying to, wherever they can, cut gas, like superfluous gas out of production. And um, in addition to that, there's a lot of crisis planning going on at the moment. Like a lot of companies are looking at exactly what, what they can do without and kind of trying to model particular like gas shocks, like saying, you know, if gas, if if we get zero gas on a particular cold day, what does that mean for our our production? What do we have to shut down? You know, what kind of stockpiling of finished products do we have to do to, to kind of offset that? Yeah, for people with long memories here in the U.S., it might uh, bring back recollections of what happened uh, in the 1970s during the Arab oil embargo when uh, Americans were asked to cut on their energy use as well. It led to long gas lines, that sort of thing. And that raises the question of a potential political component here uh, for Germans as they deal with what could be coming. Uh, this could put some pressure on Chancellor Schultz's government, couldn't it? Indeed. It, that's going to be really interesting to see what, what happens there. Um, yeah, Germans are going to see their energy bills go up. Some of them might see um, their companies shrinking or cutting jobs. And the political implications of that, I think, I think what's, will be really fascinating to see. Um, whether it will bring Germans out on the street, we'll have to see, or whether it will fuel support for kind of some of the more extreme and left and right right parties and destabilize the coalition of kind of mainly centrist parties in the government. Um, yeah, we're, we're not sure what's going to happen with that. And, and it's also possible that Germans, you know, are very, it's a very orderly society where people don't typically take, this, take to the streets to riot. Um, it could be that, you know, 
people back the government measures and realize that this is, you know, an external driver. This is the Russians doing it to us. Uh, but we'll have to see. Well, what alternatives in our last minute here, William, does Germany have to Russian gas? Is there any way that they can backfill the cutoff from Nord Stream 1? And they can get gas from kind of other European uh, sources, like Norwegian pipeline gases and gas pipelines in the Netherlands. Netherlands. Unfortunately, Germany doesn't have an, a working LNG terminal, so the, it, it's planning to have them as soon as possible, but they're not going to really help in this early winter period. Um, so it's left kind of Germans looking at alternative fuels for, for certain things, one being bringing back mothballed coal plants to generate electricity. That will help save on mm-hmm. some gas. The other potential alternative is whether it, Germany lets some of its nuclear plants, which were all going to close by the end of this year, mm. which was a reaction to the Fukushima disaster. Chancellor and former Chancellor Merkel, want, you know, ordered the closure of those nuclear plants. Right. And could they let those run until 2024? That would be controversial here. Yeah. Um, but it would free up some gas for use elsewhere. Great. Thanks for this, William. Really appreciate you giving us more on this Big Take story. And I Big Take go on the Bloomberg Terminal to get more. That's Bloomberg Global Business Reporter William Wilkes. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.54 on Wall Street, and it's time now for the daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. And today, we're looking at a milestone for a key legal issue. In response to several corporate and accounting scandals, Congress passed the Sarbanes-Oxley Act in 2002 with bipartisan congressional support. Sarbanes-Oxley is celebrating its platinum anniversary, but how effective has it been? For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to securities law expert James Park, a professor at UCLA Law School. Tell us about the reasons for the law, why it was passed. The law was the culmination of years of securities fraud cases that the SEC basically pursued. Basically, towards the end of the 1990s, there was significant pressure on public companies to deliver quarterly results to meet analyst projections of their revenue and earnings. And many of them were cheating. They were cheating by violating accounting rules so that they could report revenue that was a little bit higher, profits that were a little bit higher. And this structural pressure to maintain your valuation, in my view, was the main reason for the law, the best justification for the law. And this is a time when security fraud was national news. It was really one of the major national concerns. You have the December 2001 bankruptcy filing of Enron. And then the next month, Global Crossing filed for bankruptcy. That spring in April 2002, Elliot Spitzer brings a major case against Merrill Lynch for issuing false research recommendations with respect to stocks that it was promoting as part of its investment banking business. June 2002, Adelphia filed for bankruptcy. And then what really prompted the passage of the law is July 2002, WorldCom filed for bankruptcy. So you have a string of major public company bankruptcies that really pushes Congress to act. And the law was passed virtually with unanimous uh, approval. Do you think it's worked? Has it been successful? I think it has been successful. It is a tough law, though, to gauge with respect to how well it is working. Um, It's very hard to really measure exactly what the impact of the law has been. But we do have anecdotal evidence where 
uh, public company managers report that they are more careful, uh, more systematic about investing in internal controls to prevent securities fraud. So we have that sort of qualitative evidence that would support the idea that the law is working. We also have evidence from accounting restatements. Uh, Restatements are basically when a company acknowledges that there's a material misrepresentation in its financial statements. And uh, we see accounting restatements of SEC filing companies steadily declining um, over the last 15, 20 years. And that may indicate that internal controls are catching some of these mistakes earlier. And that's James Parker, professor at UCLA Law School, speaking at the Bloomberg's Joan Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. Top stories straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.